back to the second episode of Criminality. I am Rebecca Sebastian, joined once again, and as always, with my co-host, Melissa. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm good. Here we are again. We are. Just <laughs> mere minutes. It, what's been two weeks feels like mere minutes to me. Just, it's, you know. It's kind of like time right now in general. It's like, has it been minutes or days or a year? I don't know. My neck is telling me it's been years, but um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I kind of want to do this again and it's my story time and I, I can't wait to tell you my story because I loved being on the edge of my seat and hearing yours, but now I'm, I'm pretty pumped to tell you mine. I'm so excited. Can't wait. Okay. So what's funny is I think you and I agree that this podcast is supposed to be reality and true crime and pop culture. So it's naturally going to just be a little bit lighter because you and I spend a lot of time in the darker spaces of true crime with moms and murder and dialogue. And so that is very much my intention. And yet (laughs) for my first story, it's actually a quite intense crime, but it's not dark. And I don't think it's going to leave anyone feeling bad. So I've decided to go with it and I'll tell you more precisely why. You kind of can't talk about reality TV or pop culture and not talk about Kim Kardashian West. Totally. Which I'm still going to say West until we officially hear otherwise. So I know she's in the news right now for her likely divorce from Kanye, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. But I was thinking about Kim Kardashian and what a polarizing figure she is. And unlike many people, I am not like queen, you know, slay. Kim, like, I don't adore her. I wish you would. (laughs) Like, it'd be kind of fun. And I think unexpected for people, if that's who I was. But I'm also not a Kim hater. Like, I'm not one of those people either that looks at them and is like, oh, they're so self-absorbed. And you know all the terrible things people say about the Kardashians. I'm like, oddly neutral about them, even though they are such polarizing people. I never watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians in sequence religiously, but I've watched enough of it to understand the concept, if you will, (laughs) um, which I'll get to. But I I understand who they are. And there's something I do a little bit appreciate about them. I mean, they're so family oriented. I don't know. There's a lot you could say for or against Kim Kardashian and the clan, but that's not what the story is about. I chose a story because... She is an icon of pop culture and reality. And this story just hit me because I realized I knew the vague outline of what happened and not the in and out details. And there's a lot of details and I'm excited to share them with you. But before I do, do you have a feeling on Kim Kardashian? Like, where do you fall on the line? I'm very, um, if it's on and nothing else is on, I have it on. Or if I've seen like a special preview, they always get me on those like Twitter clips that are like 30 seconds of them fighting. I'm like, well, I have to see why they're screaming at each other. Yes. But other than that, I don't. And it's the same thing. Like, good for you. You've done really well. You've given me so many memes and gifts. I, I consider you a treasure in that sense. But do I really care day to day? I don't. Yeah. But but I'm I'm interested in her. Okay. So I think we're on the same Kardashian page. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, and I will say my opinion of her has evolved and that'll, that'll come later. So you probably know that Kim Kardashian was robbed at gunpoint in Paris in 2016, or you at least remember hearing that, right? It was like this huge surge of pictures and headlines and news, but then it very quickly went quiet. And so you might be surprised to learn that the story potentially started many years prior to that. Let me explain. 
In 2010, a man named Abdul Rahman, who also just goes by Abdul and preferred not to give his last name to the press in everything I read. So Abdul Rahman, who I will call Abdul for the rest of this story, is a part-time night watchman at this prestigious hotel. Also, unfortunately for my first story, uh, takes place in France. So there's going to be some pronunciation issues. And while I was able to help Melissa last episode with New Jersey pronunciations of locations, not so much in French. My daughter is horrified by my accent, as is my friend Laura, who graciously helped me. Okay, so he worked at the prestigious, brace yourselves, Hotel de Portales, and he emailed his superiors to express his concern over the building's inadequate security protocol, lack of CCTV cameras, and overall vulnerability. The email was ignored, and Abdul continued his job at the hotel, but he was also working towards his doctor at the Sorbonne Institute. So he had big goals. He was working this job, and he called himself this night watchman. A lot of the reports later after this incident happened called him the concierge, but it really isn't the title he used, nor did the hotel. So I'm going with what he called himself, which was sort of a part-time night watchman, meaning he was in a quasi-security role, but not that didn't mean anything. <laughs> like, right, right. He wasn't armed, he wasn't equipped, and as you can hear, you know, he felt the hotel's security measures were very lackluster. So he was married, he had one child living in Paris, but he was actually born in North Algeria. According to the Daily Mail, former employees loved Abdul. They spoke highly of his work ethic, and one said he was loyal, hardworking, and an extremely intelligent employee. So before we get to this incident, I want to talk a little bit about this Hotel de Portales, which translates to the no-address hotel, thankfully, and that's what we will call it from here on out. (laughs) So the no-address hotel is a place for the rich and famous, and you have to be referred or invited to stay there. Mm. It's for celebrities and one percenters, and they love the No Address Hotel because it offers them discretion and privacy. And you can Google it because it actually has a street address. You can walk by it in Paris. It isn't even like down a private road or anything. Mm. It's very understated. It's beautiful in the way most Parisian architecture is beautiful, but you wouldn't look at it necessarily and guess it's an exclusive locale for the rich and famous. The hotel executives actually describe it not as a hotel, but as a private residence transformed into luxurious guest houses. So my sense is that hotels too lowbrow, like it doesn't define what this place is. It's supposed to be a bunch of individual residences for super high profile guests who want to feel like they're in a real home and okay. not be in like a busy, bustling, tourist filled destination. So, so that's setting the scene a bit. However, while you can find the address, Melissa, if you're going to Paris after this pandemic, you probably won't be able to stay there. There is no website. You need a code to get in and there are secret entrances. So my apologies, but I don't think if we do a tour in Europe, like we're probably not staying there. Oh, man. I mean, can we put it on a vision board or something? Because now that I know I can't, I kind of want to. Melissa, I like how you think. I just (laughs) finished my 2021 vision board and forgot all about adding the no address hotel on it. There's room for amending. There you go. Dream big. Okay, so 
if you really, really just want to feel bad about the fact that you'll never stay there, past guests include Madonna, Beyonce, Jay-Z, actress Marion Cotillard, soccer superstar Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Nice. Oh, I think I think that was okay. My husband and son are major soccer heads, and they wanted me to make sure I noted also that he used to play for Manchester United, but he currently plays for AC Milan. So, Well, thank goodness super... you brought up that distinction. I, I know. pissed. <laughs> I think if people follow football... American soccer, um, they would want that to be mentioned. So this place really is for the elite. Okay. So the particular residence where Kim Kardashian West would stay was actually an apartment that Kanye had rented for years. Anytime he was in Paris, it was 3,790, not dollars per night, square feet. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I just, I feel like I need to spend a minute there because I live in New York. I realize that people have 4,000 square foot homes in America. That's a big house. I think by most people's standards, even in America, it's big. It's a big house. But I mean, I live in like a lot less square footage than that. Uh Uh-huh. Me too. Like all year, not for like a weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So when I see that kind of square footage, I'm just like, I, I I don't even know how to think about it. So take whatever you were imagining a beautiful hotel room to be and just multiply it by a lot So not only is it 4,000 square feet, it has 360 degree views of Paris. And here's the cost, 17,000 US dollars a night. Oh, okay. So that also needs to go on the vision board that we need to come up with that. I think think we need a bigger vision board. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. My vision board is too small for 17,000 a night. So back to Abdul at this hotel slash not hotel. It's now 2016, and nothing has changed since that email that he sent to his bosses, including the code to get into the front door. It has now changed hands hundreds of times. Celebrities know it. They tell each other, their managers, their people. Too many people know that number. So it's a night like many others, though maybe a bit busier in and around the hotel because it is Fashion Week. Fashion Week in Paris. I mean... I can't think of anything like more glamorous. This is like peak glamour. I'd have never participated formally in Fashion Week in New York, but you know it's happening when it happens because the whole city talks about it and streets are shut down and retailers that are not like doing fashion shows at Fashion Week have signs in their windows and there's all these different things going on and you hear about all these different celebrities in town. It's just, there's like an energy and a buzz in the air. And in New York, it happens in February and it's, freezing and yet people are out and nightlife is bustling obviously it didn't yeah. happen in 2020 probably won't for 2021 but this is in Paris I feel like it's the mecca for fashion week right so A-list celebrities are in town fashion's most iconic designers are showing and the beauty of Paris in the fall is all the backdrop to the glitziest week of the year Now, the other people buzzing around are the French paparazzi, and they're hanging around the No Address Hotel because their favorite celebrity, Kim Kardashian West, is in town. I loved reading, actually, about the French paparazzi because they adore Kim. They say she is their favorite celebrity, not just because she, her pictures fetch them very lucrative amounts of money. She's actually genuinely friendly to them. She lets them take her photo and even thanks them when they do. According to one photographer, Mark Piasecki, he told Vanity Fair, and I quote, but I won't do a French accent. We always say, thank you, Kim. And she says, thank you, guys, in her high-pitched voice. Oh. He then hold, 
I know, which I think is so cute. He then holds up his middle finger and says, lots of other celebrities are giving us this. She never does that. And I thought, you know, you got to love that about Kim. I mean, she knows how she was made and where her celebrity came from. And I think she sort of really appreciates it. And I think she works hard to stay in the limelight, whereas a lot of celebrities work to stay out of it. She, I don't know, she's a smart businesswoman. And I also like that she's just nice to them. Yeah, for sure. And I can imagine, and, you know, I, I went back and watched um, the Keeping Up with the Kardashian episodes around this time where she was in Paris, because, of course, the crew is there during this. And she is, she's so, she's super sweet and um, always waving and saying hello. So it feels like a good time to talk about Kim and Keeping Up with the Kardashians, right? So 2007 is when the E! Network picked this show up. It was conceived by Ryan Seacrest, who was the original producer, still producing it, collaborating with Chris Kardashian, who felt like her family was watchable, that their family drama, their yeah. family love was something special that people might get excited about. And obviously their instinct was spot on. And, you know, I think now we have so many shows like this, like right. rich families behaving weirdly, like that is something we're used to watching. But in 2007, it was pretty new. We had, it was um, the end of The Simple Life oh, man. with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. That was ending. We had the Osbournes. So that was like British flavored. So we needed something California and America and kind of Hollywoodish. And by need, I mean, demanded, wanted, craved, yeah. didn't need at all. We watched it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was created to be the quote, new non-scripted family sitcom. And the series would eventually lead to numerous spinoffs, more than I realized. So here they are. Courtney and Kim take Miami, Courtney and Kim take New York, Chloe and Lamar, Courtney and Chloe take the Hamptons, Dash Dolls, Rob and China, Life of Kylie, and probably most disappointing of all, Flip It Like Disick, <laughs> which I never even heard of. That's all I want to watch now. <laughs> I mean, Flip It Like Disick, it's catchy. Yeah. But I mean, they took a marketing class for that one. They yeah, got it. Yeah. I Concise think Concise to the point. Situations team maybe should get a little consulting from the Kardashian <laughs> team. So that's kind of just setting the the scene for now. It's 2016. So the show has made these girls stars. I mean, these sisters are yeah. everything they do from their makeup and their hair and what they wear is watched. And Kim, of course, is the breakout star. She's sort of the center of all of it. So she, of course, is no stranger to Fashion Week. She's been several times, but this year was special and it was different because she brought Courtney who'd never gone before. So she was excited to bring Courtney in on this and together they'd be watching their younger half-sister, Kendall Jenner, walk in the Givenchy show. Okay, nice. I said Givenchy. You got it. <laughs> Again. You said it with confidence, I love it. It's the only one I had any familiarity with and that I feel like I can say. Oh, French is hard. Um, their mom, Kris Jenner, was also in town for the occasion. So like most things with the Kardashians was a total family affair. She was also accompanied by her assistant, Stephanie Shepard, her stylist, Simone Harouche, and her bodyguard, Pascal Duvier. So she's got her family and her entourage. And this paparazzi group that I mentioned before, it's about a dozen or so photographers that followed Kim and her entourage all day, every day, from lunch to shopping to fittings to all the major fashion houses. So Kim and Courtney were just sharing this experience together and having the time of their lives. And of course, like I said, the crew for Keeping Up with the Kardashians was there at every moment filming 
And in addition, Kim was posting on social media and posting highlights of the trip in real time, which will be important later. So it looked pretty amazing. And when you watch the show at this point, it really is like, wow, I can't imagine anything that fabulous, frankly. I mean, it was just like glass of champagne after gown fitting and fancy dinner after the others. Just amazing. But on the evening of October 3rd, 2016, things would get very dark in the City of Lights. So I think it's important to understand the pace and the itinerary that Kim was maintaining. This is a quick, even just abbreviated uh, itinerary of the days leading up to October 3rd for Kim. So September 29th, Kim and co, I'm going to say Kim and co for her team, attended the Off-White show. So soon after that show, they sat front row at the Balmain show. That night, they attended the Balmain after party at Lulu's restaurant. The next day, September 30th, was just a casual night out at the Ritz-Carlton with model Jasmine Sanders, like one does. Mm -hmm. October 1st, Kim and Naomi Campbell go shopping at Hermes and Fendi. Again. Vision board. All of this is vision board stuff. We have like a big girls weekend planned. Expectations (laughs) are high. Uh, Later in the evening, Kim celebrated Kendall's arrival with dinner at Kinu restaurant, which I didn't look up, but I'm... It's like fair to say, safe to say, probably very fancy and exclusive. Sure. Absolutely. Right? I think so. So finally, on Sunday, October 2nd, Kim and Courtney watch Kendall Walk in the Givenchy show, and then they attend a private dinner at designer Aaliyah's home. So Aaliyah's that designer that celebrities are always talking about, like, who's your gown by? And they're like, Aaliyah. Aaliyah is a man. I thought you meant ghost Aaliyah. I I was like, wait, what year is this? Well, when you're Kim Kardashian, you can probably teleport to heaven for dinner <laughs> with Aaliyah. <Yeah. laughs> but, but no, we're talking about the designer and this dinner was at his home. It was in his kitchen and I saw pictures of it and it's in the episode. It's, I mean, it could be the same square footage, the kitchen as that hotel we talked about. Like, oh my gosh, unbelievable kitchen, private chefs, like a one-to-one, you know, waiter guest ratio type of thing. Speaking of kitchens, have you seen the video of Diane Keaton's kitchen? This is the most fun thing. She starts cooking something and she goes, hang on, I'm going to get a fork. Rebecca, she's gone for 45 seconds on the other side and you hear her shuffling the whole way to get there and come back for a fork. It's insane in my favorite thing. I'm going to like immediately look for that when we're done recording. Absolutely. I could cook an omelet, serve it, clean the dishes without like a full 360 turn in my kitchen. Like <laughs> I, I don't know how to emphasize this enough, like all that I could do. And I would never be out of camera shot. Um, right. just for perspective, uh, don't feel bad for me. I'm just, just stating facts. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So that was the last event of the evening. The, the highlight and the climax really was watching Kendall walk in the show. So geez, talk about keeping up with the Kardashians, busy, busy week. And at this point, Kim was ready to call it a day. And most of what Kim does in her life, I can't relate to. Sure. But nine o'clock wanting to call it a day, like, yes. Like, like get me back to my gorgeous hotel. Absolutely. I want to put a bathrobe on. I want to watch TV. And frankly, I probably want to be alone at that point. And yeah. so I don't know, maybe Kim and I are more alike than I realized because that is exactly what happens. It's actually later than 9 p.m. By the time they all get back, it's almost midnight, which... For most cool young people, they're like, time to go out. We're in Paris. So Courtney, Kendall, and Stephanie decide the night is young. They're going to a nightclub called Arc. And Pascal, her bodyguard, knowing that she is secure and home for the night, decides to accompany them. And I think it's important to mention this because that doesn't seem out of the norm. So 
Pascal is, his job is to guard Kim. That is his primary subject, as right. if you will, in security speak. But with her being secure at the residence, again, a quote. Factor is back as a sponsor of Criminality, and I couldn't be happier. Here is one of my favorite things about Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They're perfect year-round in all seasons. I loved having Factor meals in the winter when it was so cold and so miserable to go out, and I was happier to stay inside and heat up my Factor meal and get a warm meal. But now that it's spring and warming up outside, I'm revving up my fitness routine. So I don't want to do takeout as much. I certainly don't want to cook or grocery shop. And I'm more conscious about what I'm eating. Another perfect season and reason to get Factor meals delivered. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in two minutes. You can choose from a weekly menu of over 35 options, including popular options like the one I get, which is calorie smart, but you can also do keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also, it's not just meals. They have more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, beverages, all kinds of things to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Head to factormeals.com criminality50 and use code criminality50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code criminality50 at factormeals.com criminality50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Spring is bursting with fresh energy. The air, our aspirations, and even our homes get a refreshing makeover. And what better time to revamp your home security with Simply Safe? It's our top choice and for good reason. Praised as the best home security system for 2024 by US News and World Report and recognized by Newsweek for its exceptional customer service, Simply Safe has you covered. From break-ins to fires and floods, its comprehensive sensors keep your entire home safeguarded. I also love that with the cameras I have in my house, I can be gone, not be able to get a hold of a kid, and simply go onto one of the cameras and look around the room and see my kid is there and safe, but just ignoring me, as you know, kids will do sometimes. And with a range of indoor and outdoor cameras, you can keep a vigilant eye on your property around the clock. For less than a dollar a day, you can enjoy 24-7 professional monitoring, ensuring prompt emergency responses for whenever you need it. Plus, Simply Safe's monitoring agents can intervene in real time, deterring intruders with the power of voice through wireless indoor cameras. But the best part is there's no long-term commitment, and you have a generous 60-day money-back guarantee. So why not give Simply Safe a try? If it doesn't exceed your expectations, simply return it for a full refund. Simply Safe has given us and our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminality. That's simplysafe.com/criminality. There's no safe like Simply Safe. He felt he could go and just keep an eye on the other women while they went out and keep them safe. So, unfortunately, it just didn't work out well and his absence would have serious consequences that nobody could have foreseen. So the women go out, Pascal is with them, and downstairs, Abdul is working the front desk. It's 2.30 a.m. and three men dressed in police uniforms appear at the glass doors, gesturing for Abdul to let them in. What these men don't even know is that these doors aren't even locked. They assume they're locked. Mm. And that's what's so unbelievable about this no-address hotel is like, of course you would think there'd be a barrier between you and the concierge or who you think is a concierge. 
So Abdul kind of plays dumb and gestures then that they can just come in. And he says, what's wrong? Thinking it's the police. Wondering, are they here to arrest somebody? And they ask him if the rapper's wife is there. Abdul immediately knows they're talking about Kim Kardashian, but he plays dumb and says, I I kind of love this response. One of the hotel staff apparently is an amateur rapper. Mm. I forget his name, but he's like, oh, like Iman? Like, no, he's not working tonight. He's got a gig, like, you know, our our rapper. And they're like, shut up. You know who we're talking about. And things get very serious. They actually pull out a gun and hold it to Abdul's back and demand to be taken to Miss Kardashian West's room. So they tell him to get the key and he admits, yes, she's here. He gets the room and leads them there because what choice does he have? He has a gun pointed to his back. So two men take him up to the residence while one man stays at the front desk, I guess, to now be the night watchman. Concierge. Yeah. Yeah. So um, upstairs, Kim had fallen asleep. She hears footsteps coming up the stairs and a noise at the door and she's startled and she sits up and calls out. She says, hello? Nobody answers. And that's when she gets really scared because she knows if it was her sisters or Stephanie coming back, they would say, it's us, like, sorry. Or she would hear drunk stumbling or whatever. She doesn't hear any of that. She gets nervous and she calls out again. And what happens next is the part most people know. These men come up the stairs, announce themselves and say that they want money. Now, Kim doesn't have much. Apparently, she has $1,000. And it doesn't say if it's American dollars or euros. My guess is it's American dollars because, I don't know, even in 2016, I don't feel like people are trading their money in for right. currency. I'm assuming she's throwing, like, the black Amex down everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And that taking American cash would be a really bad move for these guys. I would think that'd be harder to to use, and it would be a bit more of a red flag. So... They realize she might have jewelry because Kim is saying, I have, I have jewelry. Like I have a ring, take everything. So they notice there's a ring. And what is interesting is that Abdul ends up becoming the interpreter. So this poor guy is trying to protect Kim, but realizing there's this language barrier. So he's now saying, she says she has a ring and they're saying, we want the ring, show us the ring. And so he's saying, show them the ring. And they're going back and forth. And Kim is hysterical, as you can imagine. So she gets a ring that she had put on her nightstand from a little uh, Louis Vuitton like jewelry box she had, and she hands it over. It's over 20 carats and estimated to cost over $4 million. Now, it's not even her wedding ring or her original engagement ring. What I read seems to insinuate it was a second engagement ring from Kanye. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Because why have one and why not? I mean, what a gesture. So... It was a ring she prominently displayed on social media. And I think saying mm-hmm. that might jog your memory. There's pictures of her with her finger up and the ring is the size of half her finger. It's stunning. Right. And we'll get to it later, but there's a really good chance these men in her room saw that as well. So they continue holding Abdul at gunpoint. They're making demands, asking him questions she can't understand, crying and screaming. And like I said, Abdul becomes the interpreter. She asks Abdul at one point, are we going to die? He responds honestly, trying to remain calm, and he just says, I don't know. She's hysterical, and she tells him she has babies and a family and to please take everything. And this is when I think she's just crying too much and they're freaking out, and they realize she has a lot of jewelry, so they have more work to do. So they actually duct tape her mouth, her feet, and zip tie her wrists. Those are things I never knew about this at all. My 
understanding of this story was very, these guys come in, they take her stuff, they put her in another room, and that was kind of it. This is so terrible. You just, I can't imagine all of this going on. And working with an interpreter who, you know, it's not like your best friend, it's somebody you kind of know through this hotel, and just basically begging, are we going to die? And him not even, even being able to say, no, we're fine. It'll. They're just going to take your jewelry. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. I feel the same way. I feel like, for some reason, the stories I read didn't include these details, which are no. really violent and, and, and serious. I mean, this is a really aggressive crime. And so she's having that experience in real time, as is Abdul. They're both just probably terrified. And I don't know, the scene is just so intense. So they find this jewelry box in addition to what they've already taken and they pick him up and they put her in the bathtub and they run out of the residence, bringing Abdul with them. So meanwhile, in her own room, and this is what's confusing, Simone, who if you remember is the uh, stylist, she heard noises. Now, some things I read say downstairs from her room, almost suggesting there's a bedroom on the first floor. But mm-hmm. in most reports, it said she was in a like in a, a connected room or it was a separate residence, but probably sharing a wall somewhere. So right. she had heard something, heard noises coming from Kim's room that didn't sound right to her, called Pascal immediately. So while she's making the phone call to Pascal, Kim was able to free her hands from the zip ties amazingly. And she talks about this later and says, you know, I don't think they were great criminals. And it seemed like the guy that did it was one of the younger ones. It just wasn't that tight because she was without too much effort able to get out of them. She ran to Simone's room. Also, I didn't mention this because I don't want to be gross, but she mentions it. So I think it's worth mentioning when she fell asleep, she had nothing on except a white robe around her. So she had no pajamas on underneath and just... The vulnerability of that. And of course, right. worst case scenarios do go through Kim's head. And she talks about that. She tells her story on the Dave Letterman show. She tells it on Keeping Up with the Kardashian. And she definitely thought she was going to be attacked in a much worse way than she already was. So just the fear and, you know, what all she must be thinking. And she's in complete yeah. survival mode. And her biggest fear was that she would be raped or killed, or both, and that Courtney would be coming back to see her dead and just traumatizing her sister for the rest of her life. That was, like, the only thing going through her head, which I just, like, again, didn't mean for this to go super dark, but I do feel like it's worth mentioning just the gravity of the situation. So she runs to Simone's room, and the the men had also taken her phones. She had an iPhone and a BlackBerry. Shout out to Blackberries. They'd taken both. So by this time, Pascal had already headed back to the hotel. He was on his way. Meanwhile, in New York City, it's like 9 p.m. This whole event was only like 30 minutes long, which actually, now that I say that, probably felt like a lifetime, but it's around 9 p.m. and Kanye West is in the middle of a performance in Queens in New York City, which just small world, I happen to be sitting in that borough as we talk. So there's footage of that moment and Kanye is singing and the crowd's going crazy. And, you know, someone from Kanye's team comes up to his ear. You see them whisper and you just see him say, family emergency, I'm sorry, I got to go. And it just happens like that. And you hear everybody like, you know, getting upset and booing. Oh, my gosh. Of course, none of them, none of, I know, none of them knew what happened. And now just to see in that episode, the juxtaposition of what's going on at 3 a.m. and what's going on at 9 p.m. in New York, I just, I can't even imagine. So... Okay, the worst is over. I know this was rough, but the worst really is over because I have to. I'm so excited to tell you that the three robbers left on bicycle, which 
I know I'm not trying to diminish <laughs> the gravity of the situation, but I know that's just like very French and charming oh. <laughs> to me that like thieves on bikes is like kind of cute. And like in New York, I feel like they'd have like a getaway car, but in France they're like, like a basket with yeah. a baguette, but not really. These are really right. bad guys. So they, I, I later learned police investigators also were intrigued by this fact, but for different reasons. They see it as a clue that the thieves knew French streets. They were probably mm. locals. They could ride a bike in Paris at night. And if you can do that, it means you can ride without streetlights. You know where to avoid cameras and you can utilize back alleys and shortcuts. That makes a lot more sense than my instinct, but still. <laughs> but your instinct is where I go first and why I should never be part of any investigation, even like of stealing a baguette. I'm, I shouldn't be involved in that either. Same. And I just, it's just so cinematic. Like the idea of like, I'm just like, of course they have berets, right? They had berets, but they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> they were scary. They, they had, one had a ski yeah. mask, one had goggles. They were dressed like police. It's the scariest way to be a criminal when you think it's someone yeah. you can trust and you can't. So speaking of the police, the investigator in charge is the police chief. He's woken up and his name is, um, well, I would have said his name is Charles Saint, but I am told it's Santé if you're French. So Charles Santé, I think should probably have a TV show. I didn't see any pictures of him, but I imagine him to be super handsome. He gets a call in the middle of the night about a robbery and his partner says, this is serious. It's a high profile guest and they took a lot. So he says, who is this victim? Like that, like, who is this victim? I'm just kidding. I don't right. know. I don't know how he said it, but he didn't understand who it was. Like, why is this so urgent and high profile? Right. Like a robbery is serious, but you have to call me in the middle of the night. Serious. Yeah. So he does a quick Google and he learns quite a lot about Ms. Kardashian West in just a short period of time. And he's quoted as saying, I learned she has a lot of likes on Facebook. <laughs> Which, he was really keeping up with the Kardashians. He really was. Go. Like, it did but not I'm take home. him long to to get up to speed, right? And I love <laughs> that, like, of all Kim's influence in the world, like, a lot of likes on Facebook is his takeaway. Yeah. So within this department, and this chief is part of this elite crime unit, the case was referred to Le Affaire Kardashian, or simply Ooh. Kim. So, <laughs> I, but I, I, kinda, I would go with Kim. I would, too. <laughs> And for the sake of this story, we will definitely refer to it as Kim. <laughs> Kim. So what we learn happened to Kim is what they in France call a homejacking. We might call it a home invasion or a robbery. They call it a homejacking, and it's actually quite common in Paris. The tax rate is really high on luxury items. So a lot of people choose to keep their jewelry and even cash at home with them, wealthier people rather, to avoid those penalties. Right. So usually, though, they're older victims and guns are very rarely used. So what happened and the way it went down with Kim was actually a bit of an outlier because guns were used and obviously she's not older. She was vulnerable, but not in the sense of the normal profile of a victim right. for these home jackings. Now in later reports, our night watchman Abdul said that they entered the room wanting cash. Because Kim didn't have much, the jewelry became plan B. But that seems to contradict what the police think. They feel she'd been followed the whole time on foot and digitally on social media. And between both sources, these criminals knew exactly when she would be alone and would be mm -hmm. vulnerable. So if you're anything like me, you might be wondering, what do they do with this now very hot, <laughs> notorious yeah. bling, right? So... So glad you're wondering because <laughs> jewelry theft expert and author Scott Selby told Vanity Fair, which was my primary source reading, that typically thieves will bring these diamonds and jewelry to somebody they've already set up who is in on the crime, but not at the scene actively robbing. They're kind of just 
I don't know, a few blocks away, meeting yeah, yeah. them on bicycle, and they're called fencers. The fencer will take apart the jewelry, uh, and break it up into smaller stones. So Selby states that these jewels will likely be sold on the black market. They'll end up in Belgium's diamond district within two weeks, and they will probably change hands five times in two days, once Whoa. in Belgium. And nobody will ever know. They could be on the fingers of Americans within six months to a year. So I don't know if you've been gifted a diamond in the last five years, but it very well could be a piece of that huge rock. Whoa. I know. So as for the larger stones, you tend to have three choices. This guy, Scott Selby, says you can hold on to it. You can try to find a buyer who's fine with it being stolen, which I would imagine is pretty hard. Or you can change the stones and make them unrecognizable because anybody in the trade would obviously know this is Kim Kardashian's diamond. Yeah. So back to the night of. So Kim gives her statement to the police. She cooperates fully, but leaves via private jet in the early morning hours. As you can imagine, she is very eager to get home to reunite with her family. The paparazzi who don't know this has happened show up at the no address hotel that morning expecting her not exit, but entrance outside to go about her day. They're disappointed not only to find out her trip was cut short, but devastated when they find out what actually happened. And some of them even sent video messages to her and (gasps) messages to the press of support. I mean, I know the paparazzi gets a bad name, but these guys genuinely seemed distraught over what happened to her and truly um, sorry for for what happened. And yeah. I think that took priority over, you know, any lost profits for them. So I thought that was really sweet and interesting. Um, So meanwhile, Kim is back in New York reuniting with her family, which you see on the episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And it is like, I dare you not to cry, right? It's it's pretty. I have goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, if you even imagine being in the same situation, you can kind of that's the feeling you get in that room. But meanwhile, the French police are like, we have to catch these robbers. And Abdul was really shaken up by the incident as well. He went back to Algeria after giving his statement because he Mm. just couldn't take the negative press and attention. He and Kim were accused of being in on the crime and that it was a hoax. And And that happened right away. I mean, Kim is seen not long after the incident talking about a TMZ tabloid about it being a hoax and Kim in it for the insurance money. And oh my gosh. I mean, I know people have done worse for less, but like, I'm so frustrated by these allegations and and Abdul too, that he got dragged through the mud, that he was part of the criminal team because how else would these guys have gotten in and he knew where they were staying and he gave them the key, but you know, he felt he had no choice. So he went back to Algeria with his family to avoid the press. I don't want to say much more about the rumors because it's a well-documented crime and investigation. I read the translated French police reports. So it's just people on the internet piping up with theories because that's what people on the internet internet do. (laughs) (laughs) So I just wanted to mention it because it was a big part of the story that really impacted um, Abdul and Kim. Yeah, but she's got it. You know, it's different for her because she's still got her life and everything going on. But for him, that's going to be all that anyone's talking about that's if one person believes this story that he's involved in it everything's over for him I feel terrible I mean feel terrible for both of them but the hoax situation makes it so much more difficult on this guy with no press with no security with no I mean people have to be out to get this guy I I can't imagine no you make a really good point he was also you know getting his PhD there he had to give that up he wanted he had to leave his job he had so much more at stake in a way, right? I mean, thankfully, right, right. Kim made it out unscathed. And obviously now, 
new measures were taken. So she's like back in her bubble. And yeah, right. he was really exposed. And I think people saw him as partially responsible. So Man. yes, I feel really bad for him too. So about a month after the incident, Pascal reassigns himself to another family and he amicably parts ways with the Kardashian Wests. Kim and Kanye say there's no bad blood and it was Pascal who decided this, feeling it was sort of necessary. I think he couldn't get past it almost more yeah. than they could and just felt like, I think everybody might need a fresh start here. Right. So Duvier actually had his own security company. It wasn't just him. He'd been in this business for 19 years. Also, the guy is huge. Like if you, I don't know what you imagine when you imagine a celebrity bodyguard, but yeah, his arms are massive. He's just like the biggest dude. So he's also worked for celebrities like Will I Am, The Pussycat Dolls, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, Lana Del Rey, Katy Perry. The list goes on. Yeah, yeah. So while Kim and Kanye didn't hold him responsible for the theft, unfortunately for Pascal, Kim and Kanye's insurance company did. They sued him and his security firm over the money they had to shell out to replace the stolen jewelry, which, by the way, they estimated was around $10 million value oh, in total. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's lots of nights in that hotel. <laughs> yeah. At least 30. <laughs> I can't imagine owning $10 million worth of jewelry. No. And I even less so can imagine like traveling with it. I'm not victim blaming. I'm just saying like, no, no. that's like so intense. That's so intense. But when you travel by private jet, I guess why not? All um, of that. You have a security team. You're traveling by private jet. You're at like, who's going to rob? I would never think somebody would rob a Kardashian. You just wouldn't. I you wouldn't think that. Exactly. And I think that was exactly what they counted on. Right. Yeah. And if you are going to Paris Fashion Week, I guess you do want your best jewelry with yeah. you. That actually makes sense to me. Mine just wouldn't yeah. be as valuable, but it would be my best. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so it's settled. Uh, so they settled for $6.1 million after a two-year lawsuit. I feel bad for Pascal. Like I feel again, I like just another person's kind of livelihood got interrupted and his life probably had some major upheaval, which I'll get to more, but I did learn some interesting things about high-end celebrity bodyguards while Ooh. researching. And the average salary for a celebrity bodyguard is $65,000, which- What? I don't know. Seems low. <laughs> like, it, yeah. I would think if you're wanting somebody to put their life on the line, that you would be paying them more than- Like you would want to, to be like- I know you took care of Katy Perry, right. but I'm going to give you six figures and you right. take better care of me. Yeah. And I want to be clear that this isn't necessarily what he was making. Sure. These are just average industry specifics or statistics. They say it can go up to $145,000. Now he owned the firm, so his rate might've been higher and maybe the Kardashians paid him a lot because they could and because he sure. really was their like full-time person. But in general, they make about $100 an hour and work 8 to 12 hour shifts. And I, I just was surprised by that. I just, I don't know, again, like, to, I think of like the Secret Service. Like, that is just right. a super intense, serious job. And those guys don't make a ton either. I've interviewed one on Dialogue. But I guess if you're kind of wired to do that sort of work, it's probably yeah. a pretty cool living. I mean, all your travel expenses are paid for. You probably get to go to really cool places. But not a job you can ever really relax. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you can go to really cool places and think, well, I could get shot here. I could get yeah, shot up I there. Could. I can get shot on the beach. I can get shot in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, I think that like perfectly sums up why I would never do it. Like there's no coffee breaks yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, so he did, like I said, own his own security firm. So he was probably worth a bit more, which is why the insurance company was able to go after him. And unfortunately he actually filed for bankruptcy prior to this incident. 
it was already not good. He had like a million dollars he owed just in fees oh, and summons. And I think it was behind on taxes. It happens, right? A small business owner. I don't yeah. think it was intentional fraud the way maybe some of Mike, the situation's situation yeah. was. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, this really kind of did him in. I checked his Instagram, which is all black and white photos of him working out, which might As do it. As it should be. For some people, yeah, I didn't need to stay on it long, but um, hard to tell if he's like working in a bodyguarding capacity. I did not see any evidence of that. And any evidence tying to the Kardashians is completely removed from his social media. Mm. He used to post about them frequently and, you know, he was like a family member. Right. So again, just kind of another sad aspect of the story. That's super interesting, though, because you would think that, you know, he went out to protect them. It's not like he just went out for the nightlife to go hang out. He was trying to he's trying to protect the other one or whatever. And oh, man, that's really important to say, because some reports are like Pascal was in a nightclub while Kim was robbed at gunpoint. And the real story is he was working, you know, to protect her sisters and their friend, which, you know, probably he didn't have to do. So back to the investigation. Meanwhile, in France, no arrests were made until January 2017. So about four months after the incident. And then it kind of seems like everyone was arrested. They detained 17 people. And of the 17, I know, I think they did like a big roundup. They were just like, were you anywhere near this hotel? Do you have any kind of theft in your background? And they pulled people in. Bike, beret, and baguettes. If you've got any of those, you're going down. <laughs> oh, Melissa, I love that. Oh, that's like the the, the checklist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so of the 17 arrested, 10 were indicted with charges ranging from armed robbery, kidnapping, and criminal association. So the, the friends you keep, my friends. Yeah, like, there you go. <laughs> I guess you can go down just through association. And this is interesting. The age range of criminals were between 23 and 72, which is worth noting because that is up there in age, right? What, what part was he? He wasn't on a bike. He doesn't have the knees for that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll get to him. He was actually the mastermind, the 72-year-old. So the, and, and I have to say, unfortunately, there's not a ton of details. When Kim Kardashian's role in the story sort of ceased, so did a lot right. of the reporting. I think it's still reported in France, but even the things I could find weren't translated, whereas her police statement, her original statement is translated because right. I think people have reported on it and cared to know what she said. Most people aren't trying to find out all these guys' names, their whole backstories. I don't know. I, would have, I wouldn't have minded reading it. <laughs> but it was very hard to find. But the first four men were indicted on January 12th. And one of them was, it's notable because he was identified as the younger brother of Kim's Paris chauffeur. So again, Ooh. it kind of confirms the police's suspicion that there was an insider who was feeding some information in addition to knowing their schedule, following her. If they knew the driver, that is a big in. Right. The lead suspect, thought to be the mastermind behind the whole thing, is Aomar Ait Kadache. And he was arrested because his DNA was found at the crime scene on the duct tape used to tape Kim's <gasps> mouth. The Parisians are referring to him colloquially as Omar the Old. Aww. Do the French, well, do they ever cease in charming me? Like, that is such a <laughs> kind moniker, right? Like, we've got like Night Stalker. Yeah. And they're like, Omar the old. <laughs> I like so that. gentle. What's the case you're working on? Kim, who's your suspect? Omar the old. <laughs> what was the getaway vehicle? Bicycle. <laughs> I love it. 
So the bikes do matter. If you're wondering if any of the jewelry was recovered, none of it except for one diamond encrusted cross that was worth 30,000 euros was found on the sidewalk. One of the men must have dropped it in the quick bicycle getaway and a passerby found it the next day, picked it up. News was everywhere. It was already out that this had happened and turned it in. So one piece of jewelry was recovered, which I mean, hats off to that person. Yeah. As of June 2020, Parisian prosecutors want all men charged to stand trial for the crime. So nothing, I shouldn't say nothing has happened, but they haven't even gone to trial. So these men are all arrested and charged and they are out of jail, but under legal supervision. They are expected to return to court in 2021. My guess is trials last year were all postponed because of COVID-19. So I am watching for updates, but as of right now, it's expected that they will all go to trial this year. And I'm wondering if our friend Abdul needs to come back for it. Will Pascal need to come back for it? Will Kim need to come back for it? The story is over for now, but has lasting impact in France, in Algeria, and in the lives of the Kardashians. So the French are saying this was the largest, most brazen jewelry theft from an individual that France has seen in over two decades. The last reports on Abdul Rahman's status is that his visa is expired and he wanted to come back to try to help the investigation more, but he was unable to. I imagine he's going to have to come back for trial, like I was saying. So I think hopefully that will work out. And as a result of this experience, Kim and her family have completely reexamined their social media practices. They've also completely upped their security game, which goes without saying. But she no longer posts anything in real time or with her location on. And she also says this experience helped her reprioritize her life and that she is now less materialistic. That's great. I think that's great. So, I mean, it's a positive perspective to have, to be able to have the takeaway of being like, okay, there's ways to be safer and there's also ways to make different decisions. So I feel, I, I look at that and I feel really impressed by her response. Yeah. But I think that's gotta be really traumatic. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And I mean, I was thinking when you were talking even about the bodyguard, it could have even been worse if he was there because now you've got somebody coming in between the situation. I just, I'm thinking of all the different scenarios that could happen as part of my being an Enneagram six. And I can't imagine actually being in that situation and playing out all those scenarios because it could have gone so many different ways. And not that what happened was good or great or okay or anything, but it was for as terrible as it was, it was not as terrible as it could have been. Not taking anything from it whatsoever, because I cannot even imagine that kind of trauma um, going into it. But oh my goodness. No. You know I, what blows my mind though? People still, I'll still see people posting in real time that they're gone on vacation. And that's where I, I'm like, what year are we in, guys? If you want to post that you're on a family vacation, do it three months from now or three months later. Don't do it while you're at the beach and people can easily find your, I, I don't get it. Like this is I a know. good lesson. I think for all of us to be yes. more aware. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's one of the big takeaways in true crime. I mean, people who follow it are, are aware of this and are safety conscious, but I, I do get lax in it. Like I won't add my location and live post things, but I mm-hmm. will post a picture while at a location while I'm still there. So even but I totally agree with everything you're saying and I shouldn't. Yeah. 
Um, I, I feel more like people going on vacation. I, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking whenever it's like you are clearly not home. In your home. Your house. Right. Yeah. Yes. People can break into your house more so because we're not dealing with the things that she's dealing with. If people know where your location is, if they could figure it out or whatever. But what she would be dealing with, obviously people, it's like the bling ring, that whole situation that happened. Same idea. People just following their social yep. media. And um, I'm glad people have learned. We're all learning from that. But man, that I just had no idea about 95% of that. That's Neither amazing. did I. I had no idea. It was so, it was as scary as it was. And you're right. I mean, it really could have ended much worse. And it was already so bad. Quick fun fact that I couldn't find a place for in the story. <laughs> Apparently, Robin Thicke was a guest at the hotel at the same time. And he came home in the wee hours of the morning that night, probably out clubbing at the same place. The blurred lines. Yeah, just right. I mean, what else would he be doing out in Paris? And he was made to wait outside the crime scene because of what happened. So he couldn't even get in to the room and to his Ooh. hotel. So that's just, I don't know if it's a fun fact, but it's a tidbit. And Jennifer Lawrence had stayed there just a few days prior. So Whoa. really a true hotspot for very notable people. And the fact that this could happen to Kim Kardashian, I think, shocked everybody. Yeah. And we all knew it happened, but we didn't all know what really happened. So that is what really happened. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that story. That was interesting and crazy. And ooh, I don't know. I, I really just had no idea. So that was that was a lot to learn about. I really enjoyed that story. Your storytelling abilities. This the story itself is pretty sad and it's a bummer for Ugh. her, but I'm 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 glad. I'm glad that they've made changes and we're all learning, right? We're all learning. Yeah. Hopefully Always. it's a new day for all parties involved and things are on the up and up. Absolutely. Melissa, are you by any chance watching something? <laughs> it's so funny you should ask because <laughs> I'm definitely not. I'm taking a vow of silence after this. It's been a whole thing. That's um, unexpected. No, I, I, <laughs> very. I'm definitely always watching something. So I'm going to give you a quick description of what I'm watching. It's also not reality. I thought I could pull reality, but for now, I'll give you a break. This is, this is something else. So quick-witted, poorly titled show about friendship in a cul-de-sac. Quick-witted, poorly titled show. Mm -hmm. Friendship and a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to get this so badly. Do you want another clue? Give me another clue, please. Um, it was a show that ran on TBS. It was created by the guy who created Scrubs. The music is fantastic on this show, but most people did not give it a try. Oh my gosh, I loved Scrubs. I don't know who created it. It's not um it's not Desperate Housewives. It's not, but it's starring Do you want to know who it's starring? Yeah, no. I need more. Okay. Courtney Cox. Oh, Cougar Town. Cougar Town. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. It's so funny. You can completely skip the first season, but it's very fast it, it, like scrubs very fast humor always has like a really nice um sweet moment in it I've cried in that show so many times there's a wedding scene that I like will still put on whenever I need to cry where I'm wow, just like we'll watch I it love scenes like that yeah it's incredible it's I love that show and it's one of those that I forget about and then I come back to and so my husband Ugh. even likes it and so I gave him that clue by the way and he said perfect strangers and I was like why are you <laughs> even watching this one thing? <laughs> 
don't know him, already love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was a really good one. Sorry I didn't get it. I no, hope you're good. people listening weren't going crazy and screaming at me. Or maybe I hope they were. That would have been fun. I am also watching something, and I would like for you to guess. Okay. Newer show. The experience feels like the real housewives, if they were actually wealthy, billionaire status, excess in Los Angeles. Bling empire you got it yes <laughs> oh my gosh I have you started it, it? yeah i am like i am really loving it i didn't even think i would it was one of those netflix suggestions and you're like oh, okay fine Same. i'll check it out and it's nonsense and what is the guy's name who he's adopted he's a model he's kevin. so kevin is so beautiful to look at he but- is exquisite. He, yeah, he is. I'm like, there's no way you've even had salt. I don't understand your body. I, his face, his body. His face, yes. He is so good looking, but unattractive, right? Because he talks. And oh, it just the like. The second he opens his <laughs> mouth, you're like, you sweet, stupid, stupid man. Please keep your mouth closed and, and take your shirt off. I, thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I have theories that he's not as dumb as he's trying to sound. I think yeah. he's playing a bit of a role. Fine. But yeah, I know. Just as long as you stay on camera, it's it's totally going to be okay. <laughs> I, I can't figure the, the through line out in this show. No, I no idea. I don't understand how they're all connected. Mm-mm. I, like you, was reluctant to watch, but I, I'm not turning back now. It's a beautiful show with beautiful people, interesting characters. Yeah. And it's It feels like there's been more in three episodes than there has been in a full season of some of the Housewives franchises. I, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I know who you're talking about. They are yeah. just not bringing it. No, I love this show. And then what's going on with Red uh, Power Ranger guy? He's terrifying me. Oh, my me. gosh. And also, why does he look so different in his confessional? Or I don't know what it's called. But in his, like, on-camera moment than when he does filming. He looks like two different people. He does. And I think that's why he's been hired on things. Because if he looked like he did in normal everyday stuff, he looks terrifying. He's he just a scary. scary. Yeah, I'm nervous about that relationship. If if people haven't watched yet, I really think it's a fun show to start. It is. And I'm really impressed at kind of the real life experiences they're filming. I mean, we yeah. saw a birth. Yes. We saw this really moving, I don't know what you would call it, this little ritual for a, one of the cast members' oh, moms yeah, who passed mom. away. Like that, that was just tough. was very mm-hmm. touching and like real. I don't know. Things, I mean, there's like some weird manufactured moments, I think, but some sure. of it feels really pure. I'm in it. I, I know, me too. I just had no intention of it. And my husband's like, what are you watching? I'm like, don't even bother. Just let's not talk about it. You're not going to yeah, want to watch don't. this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It has a feeling like, did you watch Selling Sunset? Like just the beauty of the shots and stuff? Like, Yes. That keeps you in. Netflix is kind of crushing it in the reality mm-hmm. department. It's sort of making Bravo look bad because I know whoever's producing this b-roll and like the way they're setting it up visually is so stunning it looks like a different city i I know sunset so beautifully shot with some of the worst people i've ever seen in my entire life that i I cannot stop watching and cannot wait for the next season (laughs) yes i agree yeah no i'm with you i think whoever's making these is like killing it it's so good 
Yeah. I think it's the guy actually, I don't know if I made this up or if I heard it was based on that, but the, whoever did, um, Laguna beach, the OC, all of that. So they're used to making those really beautiful. You are right. Shots. I have a friend and coworker who's reality show obsessed and she gets into the details like that. And right. she told me that and you're confirming it. Yes, oh, that is well, true. There you go. We fact checked. I didn't make it up. There you go. <laughs> okay, Melissa, you're up next episode. Uh, can you share some clues? Maybe I'll see if I have any idea what you're going to tell me. Okay, Rebecca, I'm so glad you asked. Okay, I have three clues for you for the next episode. Okay. And they are a will, like a will and testament, our last will and testament. The second clue is Howard Stern. Oh. Yeah. And the third clue is Hard Rock Live. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you uh, went through all the emotions. I loved where it was going until the last part. Uh, no idea. It might dawn on me in the middle of the night, but I am, I'm intrigued. Edge of my seat. There you go. I think it'll be fun and you'll hear what it is and be like, those clues, really? That's what you chose? <laughs> but it should be fun. I'm excited. Me too. Sounds good. Alrighty. Well, Rebecca, another great episode. I love that. Thanks so much for leading that. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. It was super fun and I can't wait to hear yours next episode. Yay. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to Criminality. If you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcast or wherever you listen and give the show a rating and review. The reality is it would be a crime to keep your thoughts to yourself. And come join the fun outside of the podcast and follow us on social media. We are at Criminality Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Memes are welcome. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, you can catch my co-host Melissa on her weekly show, Moms and Murder. And Rebecca Sebastian on her podcast, Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Don't forget, loving reality isn't a crime.